The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is the fourth Sunday of Easter, um, and that means we're entering into the very middle part of the Easter season. The Easter season, we've talked about this before, is seven entire weeks, so we're entering into the central week of the Easter season. And something interesting happens when we get to the middle part of Easter. Uh, The last few weeks, if you've been with us, you will know, understandably, we have been focused on what? The story of the resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Today, though, we kind of broaden our scope, I guess you could say. We back up, and in fact, the readings now, from now to the end of Easter, move to events long before Holy Week, uh, long before Easter, long before the resurrection. Uh, Why? Well, because it's sort of like those first disciples and by extension us today in 2021 are getting over the initial shock, and it was a shock, of the resurrection. And instead we're starting to incorporate both the event of the resurrection with what Jesus taught before Holy Week. And so, for example, today, uh, the gospel comes from about the middle of the Gospel of John. It's a teaching way before Holy Week, way before Good Friday, way before the events of Easter, uh, when Jesus is talking about himself as what? The Good Shepherd. And I will tell you, the fourth Sunday of Easter always has a gospel reading uh, related to the, the, the Good Shepherd theme. That's why this Sunday is called Good Shepherd Sunday. And it will not surprise you that the associated psalm that is also always read on the fourth Sunday of Easter is Psalm 23. And so again, what's sort of happening is the disciples, and again, by extension us, are rethinking, what what was it that Jesus said again? What did he say about, for example, I am the good shepherd, I laid down my life for the sheep, and how do we make sense of that now in light of the events of the resurrection? So I want to talk about that this morning, and and again, every Sunday that we come here, we're trying to incorporate this grand mystery and miracle of the resurrection into our life. Who is God? 
Who are we? How do, how do we respond to God's love as God's people? But we're focused on that in a particular way during the season of Easter. That's one thing that's happening. <clears throat> the other thing that's on my mind this morning is that after this service, we will have one of the many baptisms we have during the church year here at St. Philip Deacon. Right over here you can see the shell, um, the water, the candle, the napkin, the certificates for a little girl named Tori. Tori's, I think, about eight months old. She was born in August, so we'll baptize her. So I was reflecting on Good Shepherd Sunday, and as a, way, a sort of thought experiment, as a way to, for us to focus our attention, it struck me, what if we kind of imagine, what is it that we would like dear little Tori to know about this God who loves her so deeply uh, that we call him shepherd as she begins her faith journey? And so I actually want to start with that word, journey, and I want to start with Psalm 23. Uh, it is, of course, the most famous psalm in the Bible. It's among the most famous passages in the Bible. What we may not associate with that psalm, though, is the fact that it is for someone who is doing what? Going on a journey. And so <clears throat> this individual going on a journey, it's called a psalm of trust, begins with that very famous passage, the Lord is my shepherd. Translation we typically hear is, I shall not want. Another translation is, I shall lack nothing. And that has resonances with how God has provided for God's people uh, in other events in the Old Testament. And then what is this shepherd going to do as we make our way on our journey? Well, one thing he's gonna do is he's going to help us to rest. Anyone need to rest ever? Yeah, I get a, a few head nods to that. So he's gonna make us lie down where? in green pastures where we can relax, where we can rest from our journey. And importantly, he's going to lead us. Where? In pleasant places, behind, beside still waters. And he's also going to lead us where? On the right paths. He's gonna direct us, he's gonna guide us, he's gonna make sure we're going in the right direction. Let me ask you, as little Tori begins her life of faith, do you think she needs to hear that there's a God who loves her so much he's going to be with her to guide her and protect her? Absolutely, right? Now, what if on her journey there are difficulties or challenges, fears? Does anyone expect that to happen? Maybe? Could, okay, come on, y'all. Can we be honest? Yes? It's going to happen for all of us, right? So what then? Even though even though I may walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, my good shepherd, is going to be with me. His rod and staff, they will comfort me. I trust that this shepherd is going to guide and direct and protect me. Do we want little Tori to know that as she begins her life of faith? Absolutely. Now, there's some other language here about God, not as a shepherd, but as a host at a meal. That's other language from the Old Testament that comes up again. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. That suggests I'm someone with significance and importance. And what? My cup overflows. The cup that you give me, God, will quench all of my thirsts. And then this beautiful line, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm gonna suggest that that line as we typically hear it is the way I just read it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Isn't quite, I'm gonna use the language muscular enough. 
I'm going to suggest a different and maybe slightly better translation is this, only, exclusively, goodness, and not necessarily just mercy, but steadfast, loving kindness, only goodness and steadfast love will not just follow me, follow is a little too passive, but will pursue me, will hunt me down, will find me wherever I am, in other words, God is not going to let me go. God loves me that much. And I shall dwell or I shall return, another way of thinking about it, I shall return continually to the house of the Lord my whole life long. And eventually I will be there in all eternity with God. Again, do we want little Tori to know all of that? Absolutely. As she begins her life of faith, do we want her to know there's a shepherd who's guiding and directing and protecting her? Yes, we do. Now, that brings us to the gospel for today, where Jesus, again, very famously, we heard Valerie read this, calls himself the good shepherd. And shepherd imagery for God is not unusual in the Old Testament. It shows up a lot of times, not least in the Psalm 23 we just heard about. However, it never, that imagery about God as a shepherd, never ever in the Old Testament says, and by the way, as your shepherd, I'm going to die for you. Let me give you a little surprise. Dying is not part of the job description of God. Dying is not part of the job description of the Messiah as the people of Israel understood it. And if you think about it, dying is actually not even the job description primarily of a shepherd. The shepherd is there, yes, to protect the sheep, but most shepherds do not die doing that, right? And yet, in this passage from John, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the distinctive thing about me in my shepherdness, is that I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. He says it five times in a very short span. Now again, what's happening as the disciples reflect on this? After Easter, as we read it now, after Easter, they're thinking, oh yeah, that didn't make any sense to us at the time because we don't associate shepherds or God or the Messiah with dying, but he did die and then he did what? He was raised from the dead. And now they're trying to, again, integrate the experience of Easter with what he taught, as are we. And by the way, I will tell you one thing that immediately comes to mind as we reflect on the event of Easter and the fact that Jesus died and rose for us, gave his life for us and for the disciples because he loved them so much, is how automatically now you look back at that phrase from Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and all of a sudden there's a lot more resonance, a lot more depth to that line, because we begin to recognize, oh, I see. God's love is so deep. It is so big. And thanks to Jesus, it is so eternal that not even death, not even death can separate us from it. Do you think little Tori needs to hear that as she begins her faith journey? So that she can live freely and without worry or concern about anything that may happen. Because as Paul says, nothing can separate us from God, not even death itself. Okay, third and final thing, or Bible passage I want to lift up this morning. We didn't read it this morning, and the truth is we're not going to read it at all during this Easter season, this particular year. 
It simply doesn't show up in our, our, our list of assigned readings for this year. But I think it's a really important one to end with as we reflect on, again, God as the shepherd and us as the sheep. It comes after Easter, so it's one of the post-resurrection appearances. Uh, and it's Jesus speaking to Peter. It's a famous encounter. It comes at the end of John. You may remember it. And Peter or Jesus comes to Peter and says what? Again, this, remember, this is after Peter has denied Jesus three times. Um, Peter's feeling guilty and worried. Does Jesus still love me? And Jesus has made it clear by now that he does, that Jesus loves Peter. But he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? What does Jesus say famously? Um, he says, or excuse me, Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says what? Feed my lambs. And then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. I'm going away, Jesus is saying, but I need someone, as the shepherd, I need someone to care for my flock, and I love you, and I trust you, and I respect you enough that I want you to do it. And then, as if that's not enough, he asks a third time, Peter, do you love me? And we're told that Peter is hurt and insulted because he has to ask again. Uh, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. And Jesus says again, feed my sheep. Now, why is that important? For Peter, uh, he, he needs to know, of course, yes, that God loves him and is going to be with him and accompany him, as we talked about in Psalm 23. He has discovered that God loves him so much he's given his life for him. But now, God, through Jesus, is saying, I have important work for you to do. And friends, in a world in which we struggle, I think, sometimes to find meaning and purpose and to feel like our lives matter, I can't think of a more important message to share with little Tori. Tori, your life matters. God needs you. Your life has significance and value and meaning. And you, Tori, can do something for the world that no one else in the world, in the history of the world, can ever do. And it's a huge responsibility, but it's an incredible gift and an incredible blessing. I think she needs to hear that. Now, final question. How is this little eight, nine-month-old girl going to learn all of this? Spoiler alert, hint, it's not going to be from the words of someone who she can't even understand yet. She's going to learn it, how? By being surrounded by other people who are on the same journey. Hint, that means all of you each and every one of you, here and online. And my prayer today is that as we gather again to remember the resurrection and what it means for us, we can be strengthened in our trust of a God who loves us and accompanies us and walks with us and protects us, that we can be deepened in our faith of the promise of the resurrection, not only 2,000 years ago, but for us today. And we can be galvanized in our recognition and understanding that God is calling you today, here and now, to do God's work. Not only because God needs you, but God does. And not only because the world needs you, and it does. But because a little girl named Tori is counting on you. 
It's still Easter, and I invite you to join me in the Easter response. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.